0: Yeah, we were miles off our usual level um, and that's what happens, you, you lose this type of game because you're, you're not quite at the races and you give yourself a lot to do, um, I think they scored at good times in the game which, which kind of take the game away from us, um, but we have to take our medicine and you know accept we were poor um, and we didn't deserve anything at the game so we have to accept that.
1: Welcome to your agenda for the 15th of May 2023. I'm your host this week, Graham Mackay, and I'm joined by one regular and one irregular eh, panelist. First of all, we have Kieran Devlin. How are you doing, Kieran?
0: I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I had a, a nice weekend before to half past 12 on Saturday and a nice weekend. Well, I was going to say uh, after half two, but that's not true, is it? We know we're all a bit grumpy bastards for the rest of it. But and, and on the first surface, I had a nice weekend and it's, it's a nice sunny day today. So it, it it could be worse. It could be better, but it could be worse.
1: I'm intrigued of what was happening before 12 o'clock on a Saturday morning that made you, made you enjoy the weekend.
0: I yeah, just like... Uh, we were dog sitting, so we took the dog on a really nice walk. It was a beautiful, really warm day. Took them beside the shore, got some some coffee and some breakfast, and it was it was just really nice and wholesome. And then got the bus back and had it run.
1: You you morning people, what do you like? I, I, I do enjoy seeing a different part of your house this week, Kieran. I like I like this tour of uh, Devlin Manor yeah, that we're having week to week whenever you're doing a podcast.
0: Yeah, well, that's th- is a I, I'm a morning person. My uh my partner is not, so I've been uh, swiftly removed from my office slash our bedroom. <laughs> well, she still still sleeps before work. <laughs> oh, I,
1: I envy her. I envy her. <laughs> Colin Kinley is also here. Colin, you're looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as if you are indeed a morning person as well.
2: Ah, uh, my fuck. I'm doing this in my <laughs> dressing gown. <laughs> um and yeah, this this all feels a wee bit like too much at work, like a Monday morning, you know, briefing. Uh so yeah, expect some jargon uh and some distinct blue sky thinking from me. Uh but yeah, yeah, nice to be here. Thanks for having uh thanks for calling me in a regular as well. That 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 sets me up nicely.
1: <laughs> as long as you're thinking fuller remains outside of the box. I think. I think we'll I think we'll be fine today. So as agenda, I can tell you what we are talking about this week on the Cynic. Uh, we had a Celtic Roulette yesterday, which was which was fascinating. And then tomorrow we or uh, yeah tomorrow we have the review which is going to be with Christian and Annabelle. Celtic women's football show on Wednesday with uh, Claire and Lorenzo. Cynic Weekly on Thursday with Gal Sermani and Bowed. And then the weekend update on Friday with uh, Gal and Callum. And obviously the reaction on Saturday to the St. game with uh, me and Eddie and Colin, the regular, coming back on uh, Saturday for the reaction. So something to look forward to. But this week, it's uh, I'm going to come to you first, Kieran, because you are the, the pessimist, uh, along probably alongside me and Eddie, honestly. I think you are the, the dark one. Um, what what did you what did you make of uh, the the game the weekend the the importance of it the lack of importance what was your overall feeling towards what happened uh, at Ipswich and Saturday?
0: I didn't enjoy it. Didn't have a good time. Good start. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. I like everyone probably about when Sakala scored. I was about to you know pack it all in and like sell a lot of them and everything and as I imagined pretty much everyone was just like this is a disaster two days later on so there's still quite a lot of that residual stuff going on some more perspective etc and i think i think you know some of the listeners have made, made uh, looking at the, the questions come in some of them make some very valid points um well they all make valid points but uh, some of them have really yeah really hit the nail in the head. Um, I think. Yeah, I think it was it was bad. (laughs) I think Dave Dave made a really good point. I know, I know. I'm just trying. I'm trying to think of ways to like do it because it was it was quite it was concerning. But it was also the circumstances were so different to anything we'll have next season, unless we have loads of loads of injuries, in which case we're going to come on to strength and depth and competition. And I think that was the biggest takeaway. And it's probably going to be the theme of what we're talking about for the next hour and a half is. It was an alarming reflection of where strength and depth actually is. And I think it's, it's, it comes again to the question we've talked about on the agenda and all the cynic points increasingly over the next few weeks is what does this summer transfer window look like? Because I think we've got a starting 11 who can compete and ten has the quality edge over Rangers, even if they you know, will come to whether or not they have is pegged tactically, but we clearly have a lot more quality, especially in the final third, than they do. Um, but if they get a few injuries, and if we want to go with our next step in the Champions League, you need to have 22 players that you'd become, you'd be confident in, you know, across the squad who can contribute at the Champions League level. And I think yesterday, well, no, Saturday was a very timely reminder that we are quite far away from that at the moment. We've got, I think, we're most of us, you know, I think. I think we're, we're pretty confident in maybe playing against the 10 other teams in the league. These guys, they can contribute. Um, the You know, the fringe players who were really poor, um, they can contribute against the 10 other teams, but it's talking about, you know, whether we get to that next step. And I think, the other, obviously, the other question is whether we're right to rotate. And I think Dave Flanagan probably put it best um, on one of the Cynic chats where he says, Ange was right to rotate, but he was also right to take the blame for it being such a car crash of a performance and result.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. Colin, what what, what were your overall thoughts uh, from the weekend and the aftermath of the weekend?
2: It's such a hard question to answer. Uh, I think for all for all of us to an extent, I think we've probably been <laughs> up and down on it and thinking about it quite a lot. Um, I think if I had to put it into uh, encapsulate it, I would say dead rubber losses shouldn't lead to like a long dark night of the soul, you know what I mean? It's, uh, uh, we can...
1: My favourite can... in the album. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so, uh, I, you know, I, I was raging on Saturday, uh, as I'm sure we all were, and then last night I sort of realised I didn't care half as much as I thought I did. Um, I was just feeling a wee bit more supine about it. and um, But there's loads and loads of permutations. The thing is, like, I can't quite pin down... My takeaways from it, and I think this is this is probably going to, normally when we chat about these kind of games and it goes on and on, it's like, you know, sometimes you're sort of agreeing with somebody else and repeating a point that's already been made. But I think there's so many, I've had so many thoughts about this game that I, that I think that we could get through this 90 minutes without repeating ourselves once.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I think after after the game happened and we saw the overreaction of Rangers and the the fans and the players. To be honest, uh, I think that made it a bit funnier uh, when when we could see just how, how important a kind of dead rubber victory was for them, and uh, we guiding them. But Kieran, I think it did kind of in the process. It you kind of, know it it, it, sh- it showed to us that. The flaws that we maybe still had, which were, weren't important this weekend, eh, other than for bragging rights, but will be important next season. Eh, your boy, the, the Yakuza, eh, the UK jacuzzi as you as you as you have called it, you've branded it. Eh, what what did you make of it this this weekend? Was was it water still warm and welcoming, or had it gone a bit stale?
0: Yeah, I think we've stopped buying chlorine for it for a few weeks at least um no he wasn't good um yeah it was it would, it would he struggled quite a lot He wasn't good um to be honest i thought the entire bag five were really poor really really poor you, you're not not to try and excuse Juki being poor but i thought he was one of five that were Awful, and just like to like formally apologise for any, any sort of cynical comment I've ever made about Asta Johnston, Greg Taylor, and Cameron Carter-Vickers because their uh, understudies are not good, <laughs> or they're not at the level quite yet. Um, I, I do think that was you talk about. I think Stevens also made the point that it was that the way the game panned out was actually quite similar to you know the rest of the bill. The games under bill it's just the last. Previously, we had the cut. We had decent solidity. At the back, and we had the cutting edge up front. Both things we we lacked, um, but in terms of them actually stopping us playing out and us lacking quality at playing out, I, I think that that's the what happened before. You know, we were you know, we really did. You had Bernabai and Kobayashi trying to do the right thing and trying to be play at pace and ambitiously at the back, and you know, executing it badly. It wasn't working. You were giving the ball away, and then you had Starfield, Ralston, uh, who were not doing the right thing and just passing it back to Hart, or be it playing it safe or cowardly, whatever way you want to put it, and then Hart, and, or either punting it long or playing it back to Hart, and he would punt it long and we'd give the ball away that way, which is what Rangers know they've got us. So I think it's... it's I think it's... But as as somebody, I, I still think there's a very good chance Kobayashi makes it a Celtic but he and a few other players, namely O, I think yesterday was a timely reminder that they're probably not they are they are projects and they're not probably unless a miracle happens in their development they're probably not ready to seriously contribute to the Champions League um, next season. However, that profile player is still needed. Like yesterday wasn't to say, oh, we don't. Yesterday wasn't a thing, so we can't have a centre back who plays out from the from the back because that's what happens. We need a centre back who can defend well and can play out from the back well. That guy we absolutely need. You know, in the summer, and uh, you know whether that's a replacement for Welsh or Starfield, we'll, we'll come to the centre bags a bit later on. But I think that's we, we also, you know, the upgrade a keeper was like underlined in red pen about five times on Saturday as well. You know, I think maybe this is, I think this is again it touches what what we do in the, in the summer will be really interesting because it, this this is our problem under Ange, sort of writ large on Saturday. You know, We had some big players missing, but even when Johnston, CCV and Taylor are playing, we do struggle to play out against Rangers because that's just the way we are. We do need to sign these types of players, but they also need to maybe, you know, these project signings we made in January, they might come good in time, but I think it's maybe a a, a risk to just banking them having a great pre-season and being able to hit the ground running and we can challenge for second or third in the Champions League. You know, we'll come to what we need, but yeah, I think, I think it was a really uh, sobering reflection of where you know the players, twelve to twenty, shall we say, what level they actually are and what they can maybe contribute going forward.
1: So I was, um, I'm privy to the review, review uh, essentially because I'm in the group chat for it, and I know that Christian tonight is going to talk about. Um, Bernabe and Kobayashi have been better than Starfield and Ralphson at uh, the weekend. Colin, what, what's, just hearing that, what is your kind of uh, reaction to that idea that uh, the, the two kind of new boys were actually better than the, the, the older ones from Christian's warped, warped mind?
2: <laughs> I guess, uh, well, I'm guessing that this is about suitability for the system, and that's something Christian's very hot on. Um, and he would see poor performances that are trying to do what the system d- demands of them as a better performance than um, than two players who don't suit the system. I think Starfell uh, and uh, yeah, I mean you always kind of like you you worry about becoming a bit of a um, a caricature uh, when you're sort of giving your opinions and and in, in a sort of public forum, you know, and uh, cause and it becomes like a joke, you know, like my sort of love for Anthony Ralston and, and my sort of defence to Carl Starfield. I don't think Ralston was good at all. But I think Carl Starfield was one of the few players that I would have given pass marks for on the game. And I think we're being a wee bit harsh on him. Um and I think that the maybe the the goal uh where it was like a clusterfuck between um McGregor and Starfelt. I think he's kind of like you know he's getting the usual blowback that Starfelt was involved in there, but I think it was all about the a terrible, terrible back pass. Um, uh, I think that was the, the the sort of the the equator point for that particular goal. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought Starfelt was one of the few players that was giving any kind of guidance on the pitch. Um, but. And like to say um Kobayashi and Burnaby had better games than him, I think is just I mean, that's just was of Oz stuff to me.
1: Was <laughs> <laughs> of Oz stuff to you as well, Kieran.
0: I, I thought Starfelt defended better, but I thought he was just as I was just getting really frustrated again, as I mentioned earlier, I think that the mistakes him and Ralston were making were maybe not as infuriating at first because it wasn't doing it directly, but they were just punting it for like Goldson and Suter to win the ball. It was just really, or they'd give it, again, they'd pass it back to Hart who'd do the same. And, and to me, it's the same thing. Like, it, it is just giving the ball away needlessly. Um, I think he, def- he defended better than the, other, the rest of the back four. There's no question. But I, I thought Burnham, and, you yeah, know, this isn't, I know, again, Kobayashi was poor, but I also thought to me, the fullbacks were the worst. Like, I thought Ralston was terrible. I thought Bernabé was awful. You know, I mentioned earlier that I think, okay, I'm going to put a marker down. I personally, I think Owen Kobayashi actually will come good. I I just can't see it with Bernabé. I just think he has too many issues with his game, especially tactically. Like on paper, he should be a guy I love because he's small, technical, and quick. He's like my he's my guy. He's like he's like Juranovich and Hattari. He's my favorite type of player. But tactically, he's he's all over the place, he just keeps, he's never in his position, it's the same thing with Ralston like, it was so infuriating, they were always 10 yards away from the, where they should have been and that's when, it, that is, you know, not, again not to excuse them, but that's when maybe I think Starfield and Kobayashi were caught out quite a lot is because the their fullbacks were just not giving offering any kind of support <sighs> yeah, it was just a disaster, it was just like both, I know, I know, was, you know later on I'm going to say I don't think we necessarily need to sign six, seven, eight new signings in the summer. I don't think that's the kind of response we take, but I I wouldn't mind seeing a new right-back and left-back come to the club. It's, maybe, you know, Adam Montgomery might come back from St. John's to be in class in pre-season, and maybe he could be deputised for, for Taylor. I don't know, but it was a really rough time, and the, the idea that we could be one injury away from Ralston or Bernabé starting in a Champions League game next season when we want to, when we have ambitions of make finally doing something you Europe after 20 years I think is quite frightening to be honest
1: No, oh, uh, doing something in Europe after 20 years makes me feel so old because I can, I can remember like, the Juventus last 16 as if it was a couple of years ago but it clearly wasn't uh, Colin we we want to talk about centre-backs today and uh, at the club currently we have CCB, staff Kobayashi we have Stephen Welsh and uh, I guess Dean Murray and the boys in Lowell can be put into the mix. When it comes to the recruitment of new centre backs, we are obviously hamstrung by the fact that we don't have as much money as a lot of clubs. We play in Scotland and can maybe attract uh, the best players possible. So, what do you think is the project for for Celtic moving, moving forward when it comes to centre back? What do we do? We try and bring in a gruff starfelt type and try and make him into a, a kind of elegant a ball playing centre back or is it a case of trying to do again what we've done with Kobayashi and try and bring in the elegant one and make him gruff for the Scottish League or do we just go and try and find this hidden gem list Virgil van Dyke that plays in a, a, a smaller league and fuck out of obscurity. What, what, do you, what do you see as being the kind of project for this, this summer when it comes to centre-back?
2: I think the first option is the most fanciful. I don't think you can... I just don't think you can coach that kind of play out of people that have that sort of defensive mindset and good defenders in that sort of traditional sense. I think it's very, very uh, unlikely that we could coach that. I think uh, the... Bulking them up and getting them ready for a more physical game is a distinct possibility, and I think this is something that's to be to bear in mind with um, younger players. But um, like, I think Boson Law, I think he's kind of getting to an age that he's twenty now, and I think that he he's not he's had. He's been sniffing about the first team, but I don't. I mean, going on what his last performance, the B team, uh, he just didn't look um, needed um, even at that level. Um, and uh, I, I just don't see it happening there. Um, as for digging out the the un, the sort of uncut gems, um, yes, but I mean, I mean, this, this is the thing. It's like this summer. Transfer window, as Kieran was kind of hinting, at, will be very interesting and instructive, because we do seem to have a wee bit of confidence in our in our scouting now, um, and I mean, there's some really bizarre takes on sort of like uh, on you know people blaming like mining the the sort of Japanese or the, the you know the Korean markets. For players is like somehow led to this you know this defeat (laughs) um i I think this is something that we should be still kind of keeping an eye on and the fact that we're looking at sort of league to j league players um i find this quite i find that quite exciting in a way because it's like a you know like we, we see rangers are looking at the championship down south like and well just seems to be Nordic City, let's let's be honest. Um and but the the thing is like the is again not an expert, but it seems that like there's the, the sort of quality in Japan between the, the sort of the, the top two leagues is not like hugely dissimilar. So I think that um it's it's all gonna be about the scouting and it's uh, and then the coaching that the, and then as you say like the sort of bulking up, getting people used to things. I think I think Kobayashi can like I he, I think he should not be written off. I think he showed some real, um, in his limited minutes, has shown some real uh, positive attributes. And just because he, you know, loads of people have crumbled under Derby pressure, and especially in, um, in such an odd one as well to be thrown in with so many changes. I think when we see massive changes in our squad, there's quite often a lot of disjointed sort of performances result. and. Talking about our fullbacks, we also had fullbacks with, like, you know, Maeda gives defensive support. Um, he wasn't on the park. Abada can't do anything. Like he, he, he I said on the day, <laughs> like he, he can, he can do two good things in a row. He can, he can occasionally do one thing well, but he can never do two things in a row well. And his defensive work is, I mean there's that uh, fitball tweets, which is like, you know, it's got the little characters of the, and he's a ghost. And I know that's because he ghosts into the box and scores goals, but he's a bit of a ghost around the rest of the park. So I, I, I realize I'm rambling slightly, but, um,
1: I'm all for the bad criticism I'm doing this. Stuff, <laughs> <isn't you?
0: laughs> I, d- I did think he was the worst player in the park as bad as the bag five was.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean
2: that, that shot that, I mean, well, it's not even a shot. Uh, uh it's, uh, and, the thing is, like you, you could even for most players having an off day, poor game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, there was like flashes of of good play, and I think that build up to that that was one of our best chances. And Ralston was involved with that. Ralston had a bit of a horror show, but he still put in a couple of good balls. But you forget about it because Abada basically passed it into somebody's shin.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, and like uh, for, rationally, you don't want to talk about Abada because he's just back from injury, and it was kind of like a. A hard game to start when you've just come back from injury, but overall this season just not been his best. There's not been much progression from last season, I would say. But getting back to the the, the centre backs, Kieran, we have as the the five that I uh, laid out there. What is your move when it comes to next season? What what do you do? Because I spoke in the reaction about the kind of limitations of the Champions League squad. I think we can add maybe one more foreign player, foreign being out with the Scottish setup. So even English would be regarded as foreign. Where do you move from here? Do you do you sell anyone? Do you do you try and replace, or do you ho- hope that we can kind of progress uh, the the youngsters into first team spots?
0: I think. This is the, the tricky thing. I mentioned it in the chat and we are having a discussion about pro- project signings and the fact that we've already got so many project players there. And because with the B team, you know, Day Murray's just come back after a year-long injury. Maybe if he hadn't had that, maybe if he'd progressed enough, you'd be thinking you could be in the number four spot. Welsh wants to leave. He wants regular first-team football. I think he's 23 now. You know, he, he wants regular games, you know, as much as he loves Celtic, and he's, you know, we've talked about it before, he's and won trophies with us, he's scored important goals, he's had a great time, but he does want to play every week and he's not going to get that Celtic, so it's best for him to move. It's in everyone's interests if he moves on. You know, Kobayashi, Kobayashi, as much as I'm still excited about him, he's clearly, he's not ready to start six Champions League games unless a miracle happens. But at the same, you know, as I said before, you can't have staff out in CCV or starting centre-backs in the Champions League because they can't play out. But you, you know, as much as they offer you inside the box, we are not going to develop as a team unless you have that profile player. And if it's not Kobayashi, it needs to be someone else. Uh, so I do think unless we get really you know, scout incredibly smartly, I, we have to take the plunge and try and get that guy who can defend his box and play out. And if that means spending seven, eight million quid, I think we have to say so be it. Maybe we do find this gem for two or three million that does both, like we did with Van Dyke. That's fantastic. I don't think you necessarily have to spend seven, eight million quid, but if the player's there and the deal is a deal can be made for him and he will cost that much, I think it's absolutely worthwhile for me the last few weeks is and the last few Rangers games as well have really sort of hammered home that after goalkeeper that type of centre back is my number one is my second priority after goalkeeper personally Um I think but just, it is tricky if if you're going for that and then you have Kobayashi your third choice and I think maybe if you're going to make that room in the squad I think maybe selling Starfield could could be good it could be a risk because he's a very I like him as a defender I think he's can you know These types of games against Rangers is normally where he excels because it is just, when he's defending his box, he's excellent. And I think it does, his ability to read games and make those interceptions rather than the big dramatic tackles, I think goes under the radar. But if you are, as you say, we do need a homegrown player there um, in that fourth spot, and it doesn't look like the wow. Murray, maybe he, it was a bad injury, you know, it was his ACL, but maybe he can do something in pre-season and maybe you just take the risk and have him as that fourth spot. I don't know. I think maybe you look at some, you know, some of the United centre-backs, some of the young teenagers and look at them as potentially a, a guy who could take up that fourth spot and you don't say, oh, we're going to stick you in the B team. No, you actually, <laughs> like we did before and then they just refuse you. No, you'd actually say, right, you will get... Um, five to ten games you'll be trained with regular players and we've got this pathway where maybe you can challenge in a year or two but we have all this other benefits as well um i think that that's personally what i try and do is where you have ccv and this you know idealized all-rounder because we do need a guy who can play it from the back that you know I, i am quite worried that because you know people say oh the you know the ball playing centre back experiment has failed. Let's bring in another guy who's good inside his box but under pressure just passes it back to the keeper who punts it out for touch. We I'm quite worried that maybe we just panic and go for that rather than say Kobayashi isn't there yet. He's not ready to be a, a, a starting regular. Let you know we let's try and get that profile, but somebody who's a bit steadier, a bit more experienced and robust. Um, I think that's what I hope we do and what I'm concerned we might not.
1: Two words for you, Shane Duffy. <laughs> Colin, you wanted to come in?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering about this kind of, and this is just a kind of general, explain um, my ignorance point, so that'll be fun. Um, if we need this, for if the system needs this ball playing out from the back thing, um, is, C- is CCV, like, because we're, we're talking about CCV as kind of, not going anywhere, he's he's like the, the 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 keystone of the defense. Um is there not a, like an argument to be said that you know like for the system to work properly you would need both centre backs to be able to have that ball playing ability I, th- I mean because the thing is like I think um Starfield well, we're
1: not allowed to criticize CCBs. So,
2: well that's um... it yeah but <laughs> I'm not criticizing them but I'm just saying is like like we it's is it do you have to have both players in the centre back role, being able to play out from the back, or does does one of them being able to do that mean that you avoid all these problems in Europe? I mean, um, I mean, I mean the platonic.
1: I'm, I... I would say the platonic ideal uh, would be what you're saying. If you look at Man City, I'm, 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 I think that's where Andrew wants us to be. That kind of level where, if you ever watch them, basically under pressure, they just pass it about at the back until they can get it get it free. I think there has to be some kind of a reality check because I don't think we're ever going to have that. So it's 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 for us it's a case of spinning plates. I think ideally we would have all four players at the back being that uh, that level, but I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think the the assumption is that CCV being the best defender. Is going to be the one that we kind of carry in inverted commas uh, when it comes to that passing out from the back, uh, because he has so, su- such a good upside that we can we can handle his uh, inability. Wait, um,
2: another upside is he's selling like value. I mean, wh- how much do you think we could we could get for CCB our best defender, and then go and invest it in the kind of player that we actually want? I mean, this is just speculative garbage coming out of my mouth because I'm still in my PJs, but.
1: <laughs> for for C C V, uh, obviously we don't want to sell them at the moment, but it's asking who would be the market for C C V, um, because when you think of uh, the English Premiership, for example, which was is the obvious one because of uh, his homegrown status down there, you, you're asking then for a club that doesn't want to play out from the back, and there's there's, there's not many of them left in of football, especially at a high level. So it's 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 interesting. I think I think we we value CCV more than the world would value him, which is mm-hmm. completely fine because that's that happens with players all the time. Uh, but yeah, Karen, what, what what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I think I think I think similar. I think it's you know we we chatted about with Greg Taylor as well. I think we value Greg Taylor more than the world would value him, and and in, in that sense, I don't think we'd get. A lot of money for for Taylor, but he's such a valuable, especially after after, after Saturday. He's such a valuable player for us. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you know, Colin's right. Like this this plato- as you're right, it's a like platonic ideal where you are like Man, Man City, and you do have just this merry-go-round of really talented defenders who can do both. Um, but they have the best scouting system in the world, and uh, the backing of an oil state. Which we do not. Um, so I, I think it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
2: a peak state. <laughs> uh, I,
0: yeah, I, I think personally, you know, I think it'd be good a, a really strong position for Celtic to be in would be if they had two of that triangle of the three. Where if you have CCB as your best no nonsense eighteen-yard box defender. Um, a guy beside him who, okay, might not ideally is as good defensively, but he can play. He can play as well. If that's you know beyond our budget means, beyond our scouting means, then somebody who can play out but can defend, maybe not quite as well, but he can do the basics well enough that is robust enough, and then we obviously for we really really need to upgrade a greater keeper not only for uh not only for his distribution but also for shot stopping and decision making uh as well um you know we we give all justifiably give all the caveats we have about about Hart because he has he was a, a good signing for us he had a really good first year he's made a couple of big saves this year as well but if we do want to progress if we do want to get to the next stage if we want to do anything in Europe we, given how important, you know, Alan's talked about before, the two most important positions in Europe is your keeper and your striker because the striker finishes chances and your keeper is massive in stopping them like, we always think about how important Forster was if we didn't have a, a shortstop or a Forster standing we never get to the Champions League last 16 in 2012-2013 and we absolutely do not get out of that Europa League group um, when we beat Lazio twice um, you know, there's it, it, such an important role, and yeah. So, I think I, I don't know what you, what you guys, what are your two priority positions this summer, and has that has Saturday changed that, or has it just solidified it, or what do you think?
1: Colin, I'll let you answer first.
2: Um, I think the keeper, the, the the keeper situation was definitely highlighted, and it's 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 not like a one game response. It's something that's been kind of percolating. I I think Hart made a couple of good saves, or actually the other day. But he also um, did some. I mean, you can make excuses, but I mean, the, for for the first goal, you should not be putting that back into play. That should have been he should have been parming that round round the round the post. Uh, and also the second goal was it the second goal where he's he, he basically looks like uh It's what I call the quantum leap look you know it's just like oh boy he just he's just standing
1: reference for the kids calling
2: thanks uh, well you know like <laughs> oh hi kids um how <laughs> I many kids are listening let's let's let's, let's be honest <laughs> um but like uh he he but i think the key thing is uh, key, as keidan mentioned is the distribution and i think earlier on when hart was uh in his tenure here, um. He was a much more. He seemed a lot more motivated to distribute the ball earlier, and like, uh, and use sort of. He was really buying, buying into the sort of, the quickness of our game, and I felt like on Saturday he was um, holding on. You know, when he did gather the ball, he was holding on to it and just letting everybody reset. And there was no imagination. There was no determination to to distribute the ball quickly. Um, and to get a, a counter attack happening, um, so I think that has definitely been underlined. But it's not like Saturday hasn't really changed. It. I think yeah, you know, it's just like underlining. And we need a new keeper. Um, I think strike. Yeah, I think. I mean, sorry, I'm just basically agreeing with the with with the, with the main points. But um, I think O is. I think he was unlucky with his chance and he also got very little service generally, but um, I don't think he was given any of the sort of advantages that you see from Kyogo from his movement and pulling defence around. It It felt very static. Um, And I think if Kyogo gets injured, which is not unlikely, you know, he seems to pick up injuries quite often. I think to to rely on O as a backup, um, I think he can come good. I think he. I think he. He would be a great sort of striker in reserve. But I think we need a a number two. I mean, I think even Yakimakis would would uh, would be offering more at the minute. So uh, yeah, very. I think keeper and striker. Uh, keeper and striker would be my top two priorities.
1: I've such a complicated re- relationship with Johar because. Uh... I often get these uh, memories on Facebook and a ridiculous amount of them is me like mocking Joe Hart for making uh, uncharacteristic mistakes uh, from when his England is and then when he signed I wasn't for him at all I just thought it was a a ridiculous signing. and now like I just eat up all this content from him like listening to the podcast he did with Ben Foster and stuff like that and been all all in on him as a character. Uh, But when it comes to the football side of it, I think all three of those goals were avoidable at the the weekend. And I don't think you can say that it would have been 0-0 if if we had a different goalkeeper. But I think he let himself down in all three of those goals. And I think he definitely needs to be replaced. And it, it used to be this... This season, or even last season, it used to be thinking that Joe Hart needs to be replaced because he's not good with the, the ball with his feet. But it's now getting to the stage where he needs to be replaced because he's not doing the goalkeeper stuff as well. Um, so uh, I would like to see another number eight come in uh, as well. But the goalkeeper centre back seems to be very much like the emergency, the, the fire we need to put out at the moment before we, we go into other stuff. I just and didn't I, want
2: to talk anymore about centre-backs because I was getting depressed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that that's the issue. Like We we all think that we will get to a point where we have this perfect team and then we can go and watch them play football for five seasons, but it's never going to happen. It's like catch them all at, at times where you... You get the perfect left back in, but then your right back goes to another team, and it's like you're you're always trying to spin these plates, and it's 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 a worry. <laughs> but I think we should have a kind of moment where we remember that we are the probable uh, treble champions, and we have gone through the season where we've not won only three games. So I think it's a it's a remarkable team and remarkable enough. Uh, you know, squad we put together and it is just nitpicking at this stage where we just want them to be the best that they can possibly be and uh, I think that the Champions League really does things to us as well because we are coming up against teams that are just so better resourced than us so we do get to this stage where we have to kind of go into the minutiae about where we can where we can improve. Kieran, overall, your thoughts of this season? I mean, we've got a, a couple of games to go. Uh, we've got the, the cup final to go. What what have been what as a Celtic fan this season? How is it? What is it meant to you? And kind of like, where do you see it in the the kind of history of all, all the seasons you've you've taken in so far?
0: I've I've loved it. Like it's, it's been amazing. Like I, I think that's just the thing. It was just the the short term pain, and that would have been. If if there was th- something on the line, Ange would have obviously picked a very very different team, and the outcome could well have been different. You know, it's 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 a, it's a different thing. But that's not to discount because it it was shit and it really it did sting. But over the course of the season, it's it's been amazing. It's been incredible. You know, we 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 won four of the the games against them, <laughs> three three in a row. <laughs> um, you know, including two in the cup. You know, we did we did have some incredible incredible moments we've had some spectacular individuals over the course of the year Kyogo obviously one player player of the year you know I would mind my, my personal pick with Satate, but it's hard to it's hard to disagree with what how, how many goals Kyogo scored how important um, those goals have been but also his all-round importance to the team as I think also Saturday might have underlined and then one of these games not just in terms of goals scored but as, as pressing and the way he can really sort of dictate play and press them back um and yeah it's just I love watching Kyoglu's scene whether watching Atate, Jota, Maeda you know O'Reilly's really come on we've just got mo so many exciting players at the moment so many players that I just love watching football and yeah I think it is just like a special time because we are this is an incredible success I think as I mentioned earlier if if we do get the treble, I'm not counting the chickens quite yet, but like if, like, if we do get the treble, I'll probably celebrate it the most after the treble one. It's, you know, I, I don't think domestically, I can't see me celebrate that um, in my lifetime. Anyway, I can't see myself over celebrating that anything quite like that before. Um, we'll wait and see, but maybe we'll have a lull like we did in the nineties again at some point, but I, I just, I've just loved it. I think, it's been spe- some incredible games, some incredible performances, and some really special players that I really hope we can hold on to one more season. And and I, I keep as an obsession, so I'll keep mentioning it again. I I do think this team is really capable of doing something special in Europe. Maybe not winning Europa League or going to the semi-finals of the Champions League or anything like that, but just going going deep uh, into Europa League, getting to last last 16 in the Champions League with some really special games and performances. Because I, I love this team. I love this manager. Uh, Saturday was annoying, but we 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 persevere. We go on. We make some new signings. Players develop and improve. And I'm really excited for next season. What we look like?
1: Yeah, I was looking at uh, the, the semi-finals of the Conference League, and uh, I saw AZ Alkmaar, who we we beat with uh, Stephen Welsh on the park. Uh, Where we we in there and uh, Fiorentina and West Ham. I can't remember who the fourth team was. But I was like, how do we get into this can we? Can we, like, is there some kind of, like, digression from the Champions League where we can get into the Conference League afterwards? Because that would be absolutely ideal. Get the Champions League money and then get into the Conference League and win it. Uh, Colin, what about you? Obviously, for me, me and, me and uh, sorry, me and Christian are, like, a perfect combination for the review because he is a, a dirty, dirty foreigner. And uh, I'm... Living away from Scotland, so I have that kind of like I don't need to deal with Rangers fans on a daily basis. So it gives me a bit of uh, distance and kind of can kind of look at things a bit more calmly, perhaps. But what about for you as someone of your generation, probably the same generation as me? What what has it felt like this season, uh, being being in the kind of uh, mire when it when it comes to this? Uh, have you have you enjoyed it? Has it felt extra special, or has it just been? kind of run of the mill we dominate rangers what what, what have you made of it?
2: certainly not run of the mill i think the um, the fact that we're so we're so kind of angered by uh by losing to them on saturday you know is, uh, and it feels kind of unjust slightly as things because we've but we've managed to um win in the meaningful games against them and that is and we've done it we've done it the pretty way and we've done it the hard way and I think that's my main sort of takeaway is that we can play this amazing football but we have also shown kind of bite and uh, resolve um which I think um when it comes up to these sort of closer uh, people that are closer to our level of ability and Uh, are more of a challenge i think that to be able to dig a result has been super important but generally just um no it doesn't feel run in the mill at all because speaking about our generation we watched a lot of good football but we we also watched a lot of mince especially in the 90s and um this feels really kind of i mean we're very focused on European progress because that's kind of like the real—that's uh, the acid test for a club like Celtic. But um, domestically, this is—you know—I can't. I, I, I kind of think this is probably the best team in 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 a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know if it's just recency bias, but uh, one of the best teams to watch, certainly in my in my uh, spell. So um, yeah, uh, and. I think if we can, it's kind of like I think Alan sort of says about like, oh, just one more, just one more game, <laughs> but uh, and on Saturday we got beat, and that's our inoculation of failure. That's that's the that's the that's the booster shot to rem- to remind us of why we need to beat them. <laughs> All the time in meaningful games because um, it sets off this ridiculous kind of like firework display of the brain, um, just thinking that every single possible permutation about what could possibly happen with this team. So we've had we've had our failure and a dead rubber. I'm really excited to see what happens over the summer, and uh, the third season of Ange, I think, is something, it's almost like a wee bit like a sort of prestige TV series. It's kind of like, you know, it's like the final season of Succession, (laughs) you know, and it's coming up, and uh, so the third season of Ange, I'm really looking
1: forward to. Yeah, let's just hope no one dies like success is that a spoiler i don't know i don't even know <laughs> i'm just assuming someone died at some point so <laughs> uh but yeah i think um uh, hearing like the whole stadium singing god save the king i think if that doesn't inspire you to want to spank them the next time then i don't know what will i just uh hope that uh a few of them had the uh, kind of a uh, faux pas of uh Saying the the Queen when they were singing that accidentally that would have been that would have been that would have amused me if they would sang God Save the Queen despite the fact she can't be saved anymore. <laughs> so, Player of the Year award, the, the awards of I, I don't know I've got Quantum Leap opened on my my browser because I was uh, couldn't remember the name of Scott bacala and I, I'm surprised it was only five seasons of Quantum Leap I thought it was more than that but. That's, that's, an aside. That's, not, that's He never
2: returned home.
1: I, I, I remember the last episode of that being really weird because I think it got cancelled and they had to just like like cobble something together, and it was a really kind of weird episode where like everyone from the previous episodes had turned up or something. And it was it was like,
2: essentially like when Puchi uh, gets canned and it's just like he returns to his home planet. It was just <laughs> like just as they put up a big board saying. Dr. Samuel Beckett never returned home, and
1: that was it. <laughs> uh, he he, he deserved more. Both of them deserved more. He sure did. <laughs> so the Celtic Player of the Year award winner. So this is the in-house version. Uh, Academy Player of the Year went to Ben Summers. I don't know if either of you had uh, got to see much of the Academy this year, but Ben Summers got the Player of the Year. Top goal scorer went to Kyogo. Young Player of the Year went to Matt O'Reilly. Special Recognition went to Tom Boyd. Uh, I maybe based on his uh, wild commentary on Celtic TV. He knows goal all se- the
2: players' names.
1: <laughs> Go of the season went to Jota uh, for uh, the goal against Rangers in, in September, that we think. a uh, Women's Player of the Year, or Women's Player's Player of the Year, went to Caitlin Hayes, and Men's Player, Player's Player of the Year went to Kyoko. Uh, and they, they both got the Player of the Year uh, awards as well. Any thoughts, Kieran, on those awards? Or is that kind of pretty much what you expected?
0: Yeah, um, I think pretty much what I, as I expected. I think you know Hatate and CCV probably had some had some shouts for a player year as well. But as I said, it was like it's really tough to to discount what Kibo uh, was done this year. And it's been really good, you know, having been able to see him in full flow. He's had a couple of injuries, but obviously compared to last season, where he was just out for months and months, um, has been yeah, it be really nice just to see him <laughs> scoring every week and a real variety of goals as well you know i think uh is is, uh, he's not you know not from Celtic fans but obviously a lot of people who are idiots refer to him as a tap-in merchant or something because he scores so many from close range you know discounting all the the intelligence and movement it requires to get in those positions in the first place um but i just i just love it when he just lashes one in as well like you're just like he's like 14 yards out and he just smacks it into the top corner or uh or just veers it away around uh, McGregor like in the 3-2 game. Um so yeah, he's been he's been immense. And I think always you know, I mentioned before it wasn't just um Saturday with his with his movement, but also just his pressing. Where like, I don't think not I always <laughs> just I'm just like it's still in the back of my mind, I'm still pissed off about certain things, and one of them was oh not not pressing when near as effectively as Kyogre normally does. Um yeah, so I think. Yeah, he's he's been a great player, uh, and I think O'Reilly. It's not been you know he had ups and downs, but he's been immense recently. I think th- he'd probably be my personal pick as our best player on Saturday. I thought, um, and yeah, I think it's 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 it a very fair awards, and that jaw to go is just immense. Like it's just superb. Uh, like it. From everything, from the division the and the pass and the first touch and the finish. Though I, I'm not sure I'd quite qualify as a dink. I think I'd say it's more a chip than a dink. Mm. I think a dink. I think it's too high to be a dink if we're going, with, you know, with, straight into the etymology of it.
1: Colin, how high is a dink for you? you getting thinking. I too, didn't think I was. I didn't think
2: I was going to get asked such such testing questions today. To be fair. <laughs> um, I would say a dink yeah, a dink is kind of like the keeper's basically on the ground and it just goes over them, you know? Mm. It's a little bunny hop. Mm-hmm. But a chip has kind of got a bit more a bit more of a kind of um trajectory.
1: What where does know? lob come into this?
2: Ooh, a lob's got more distance, so that's from further mm. back.
1: Okay. There you go. I mean, we learn things on a Monday morning <laughs> at ridiculous o'clock. Um so, uh, Colin, would would do you have anything to add on the Player of the Year awards? Uh, I don't know. Do you have any any knowledge of the academy players or the the women's team? Do, what would
2: well, you... um, not much. So much about the academy, but I've I've seen the women's team quite a few times this season. Um, I think the I think the women's team has also really dovetailed nicely with the men's team. Um, it's been really exciting to have. Uh, it go down to essentially the last, you know, the last sort of set of games of the season um, is such an achievement, and I think Caitlin Hayes has been essentially, you know, without her we wouldn't be here. Like for, from just the sort of nuts and bolts uh, defending, she's uh, indefatigable, indefatigable. Um, in defence and also scores super important goals. Uh, I mean, she scored the winner um, in the last minute against. I think it was Thistle, which kind of kept us in sort of touching distance of the of the sort of title race. Um, so yeah, like so well deserved. And um, the sort of being at uh, Celtic Park for the women's game against Glasgow City the other day was was probably um, one of my highlights of the season. And uh, it was just I know there was like other agendas at play, but I think that you know um the fact that that shows the potential of what the women's team can do um and Caitlin Hayes is kind of one of the sort of poster people for that charge, so uh yeah, well deserved
1: i, I think it just shows, i mean, as you said, there was uh, other agendas at play, but like there was a uh... My sister-in-law went to the, went to Nuremberg Stadium for a a friendly Germany women versus uh, Brazil a a few weeks ago and she said there was 30,000 people there and the appetite is there. It just needs to Mm. be served on a kind of uh, like a decent plate, you know, like putting it at Celtic Park is making it a decent plate. you know.
2: And as I said um, at the time, it was like, just because something, there's, a couple of purposes at play doesn't you know doesn't cancel out one or other You can you know, you can have uh if you're sensible, you know, time and motion, you can do things that are achieving different mm. different aims. Um and I think I think the main thing for me is the accessibility to the games has to improve. There needs to I mean the fact you can't buy tickets on the gate and all this kind of crazy stuff and the the moving the times about and even people that are super involved in it sometimes don't even know when kickoff is until the mm-hmm. day, you know. So there's a lot of very simple things that could be ironed out. Um, and as has been said many a time, it's like it's one of the few gross areas in football. And it's like we should be totally uh, embracing that.
1: Yeah. And even just like I was, I was looking uh, to see what the league like, situation was so a few days ago. And I think I had to just like type in Scottish women's. Premier League, get into Google and search it that way, and go to the, the official site because it just wasn't available on live score or uh, like Football or anything. It just it wasn't something I could I could find quickly. So yeah, it, just finishing on Player of the Year, we have the PFA uh, awards and as well the, the the main two for for as far as we're concerned for the Player Year and the, the Young Player of the Year. The Player of the Year went to the, the your Arnold Clark. Premiership Player of the Year went to uh, Kyogo, and that was voted for by the players, of course. And the first point USA, which I think might have had a bit of a, a bit of a hand in this, went to American USA player Malik Tillman. I don't know. For me, Kieran, the 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 young Player of the Year award is getting a bit embarrassing for the league because it just doesn't seem to be many good young players in in Scotland. I mean. Tillman was 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 nominated. Uh, Charlie Riley uh, was nominated from League Two, I think it is. Uh, Leo Abada, who has been mostly a sub this season, was nominated, and um, Matt Riley, who is what twenty two at, at this point. It's just, it's, what what do you think about that with, with regards to kind of, uh, the youth in the Scottish Premier League?
0: Yeah, and and it's also the thing like is where you're. We're looking okay, this should have been Calvin Ramsay's year because he would have stayed another season. But, like our most gifted youngsters, they are just going down to, to England or elsewhere or to, to Italy when they're 18, 19 rather than 22, 23, 24 now. Um, because it's, it, Brexit has obviously accelerated that because not just in terms of the um the really young 15, 16, 17-year-olds that English clubs used to be able to, to pick up from European clubs, they're no longer allowed to do that. So they're doing it for all the Scottish clubs. And I do think this is just going to get worse and worse. You know, we're seeing, what we're seeing with Celtic and all the young players, you know, is happening three or four times a season that our best young players are being picked up. I think just, this is just the norm, if not going to get worse to the point where the academies, we're just not going to produce any young players. <laughs> it, it is just going to be, you know, a, we, the the only non uh, the only Scottish player that the Young Player of the Year award was is playing in League Two. That's that's the the level where you know I, I do think there's been a couple of like young performers like Max Johnson and Motherwell looks decent. There's a couple of young players there, but they are quite far away from you know being like revelations who can then either join a Celtic or Rangers or go down south and then become a Premier League player quite quickly. It it is, it is quite concerning, but. I'm trying not to think about it too much because I do think this is just the new normal, really. Um, but we, the academies can't hold on to the best talent because of the money and the, the resources down south. So unless it's just, yeah, quite grim.
1: And Colin, like I said in the reaction about how you just wouldn't get a level, a player of the level of Paul Hartley playing in Scotland into his 20s anymore. It just doesn't seem to be possible because they're, they're getting plucked from uh, their the clubs much earlier what what is, what is your kind of view on uh, scottish youth going forward
2: well, there's also an issue with the reliance on kind of seasoned journeymen in in sort of in uh, in sort of teams further down the leagues um because they do have valuable a valuable skill set to help these teams, like keep—I mean, a, a team staying in the in the Premiership is going to be a huge uh, motivator for a lot of clubs because of the financial return from it. Um, so they're they're not going to be playing younger prospects because every draw, every win is important. So you've got people like you know, if you look at the sort of age profile of people like Johnny Hayes and Van Veen and. Um, even sort of like new play, you know, the, these are sort of players that have been to a lot of clubs. They bring a lot to these things and give teams a better chance of staying uh, and not being relegated. So I think um, there's something about the sort of the the churn of um, Scottish football and the sort of physicality of it and relying on these old players is kind of inhibiting uh, the youth development a wee bit as well as the kind of obvious kind of, you know, Brain drain to Syria and uh, down south.
1: Moving on, we there was an article uh, in the record about how uh, Rangers now have our number, basically. I think that the headline was uh, Rangers or Bo has, mar- has cracked the code when it comes to to beating uh, Celtic. And from a tactical point of view, I spoke to the the one person I know that knows tactics and that's not Christian Wolf, it was Stephen Russell this time. <laughs> uh and I asked him what he thought of this, this article. And he said it's just nonsense. Uh, he said it feels it only feels like a swing because there was a narrative we were miles ahead beforehand and he believes that we're not uh, quality wise they are close. He says the four three one two OOP shape trying to nullify as It isn't a new thing, and they've done it before, including Gerrard's in, in Gerard's time. And uh, the the reason it works was the same reason it worked uh, then is because we have players that are in the system but can't carry it out. And he mentions uh, people like Ralston and Hart. Uh, and the idea of isolating our players uh, like McGregor is what they've been doing for a long time. Hey, Kieran, what do, what do you make of this idea that Rangers have been able you know, Crack a code, and uh, how do you kind of respond to that uh, theory from Stephen?
0: Well, wasn't this exact article written this time last year um, oh. about with <laughs> our after the beaters in the cup semi, and then we drew one each. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I I agree with Stephen. Like this, this is just been the story of Celtic versus Rangers under Postacoglu, Um in that we do have. there have been sort of tactical stalemates where they know our big meanness is playing it from the back and they try and and deal with that unless they are complete. They they have one of their disastrous off days as they did in the 3-0 and 4-0 when we beat them, when playing it from the back just didn't matter because middle to front, we were just so, so strong. Um, And I think I I, I I agree with Stephen. I think those was where, where we had a dip in quality in terms of personnel and that was that gave them the fine margins because, in, like, I know people, especially after a big defeat, they don't really. And many people don't give a shit about expected goals or that kind of thing. But we did have the edge over them up until Sakala's goal, which was again just a, a clusterfuck. It was just it was it wasn't like they absolutely thrashed us or dominated us. It was just the the game did pan out, and they they uh, had the fine margins a lot more. Um, again, not to excuse some very terrible individual performances, including from my boy UK, but it was just, it just, yeah. I, I, this idea that like they're going to come back next season and they're going to do a clean slate of us or their favourites for the title next season is, a, is an absolute nonsense. The, 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 this is just, but this doesn't mean that we, you know, we can take a lesson from this that we're not miles ahead. That our big issues are, especially with an eye on not only. Defending our title, but in the Champions League, are still our big issues in playing out from the back. That's still a big problem. We haven't addressed it. Kobe Ashi isn't addressing it. You know, we the keep. We've not seen a new keeper. These are these are the big issues. So, in in a way, if you want to be generous, you could say Saturday can be useful um, as 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 a lesson to not only to us and the players and and but the board as well that we can't. Be complacent and rest our laurels and say, you know, if we, you know, we are we are miles ahead of them. We just need to sign a few more project signings and, you know, say, saying a sub keeper like something from Dundee United or something. <laughs> you know, uh, you know we really have to kick on. If we do want to put them back in their place in August when the August game comes, if we do want to compete in the Champions League, there are areas we we really need to address. But at the same time, like. If we don't, I still think we, you know, I still think we're the better. If the, the level, we are still the better team with our starting 11s. We have the quality, both defensively and further forward, that they lack. I think, but they do. They do have uh, one. They have one tactic that they stick by, and it can work. I think that's the only thing we will learn from it. And well, yeah, that, and obviously that a few of our fringe players are. Not at the level required, where they can they might be able okay okay for against ten domestic teams, but they're not at the level for the Champions League or against Rangers.
1: Well, and I think over the years, uh, I think I would always regard Rangers as being a reactive team. Um, they voted a defender as their all time greatest player, and it feels to me as if for for the most part, obviously there was a time where they they brought the flair and. Uh, cheated their taxes to to get to get more expensive players. But for the most part, I think it's been a case of they react to what we do. Do you do you have any worry about this narrative going forward that they have a number? Or is it a case of they, it's easier to destroy than it is to create and therefore it's going to be a, a situation where if they get six six shots at us a season, they are going to eventually be able to stop us in one of the shots. And do you have any worry that there's, a maybe, that there's some kind of tactical inflexibility about Celtic where Rangers would be able to exploit us next season? Or do you think it's just a case of they got their one and they were going to move on from there? I think the, this kind of, oh, so-and-so has cracked this code,
2: so-and-so has this number. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of football journalism for people that really aren't paying attention. Um, And it's just, uh, it's just to kind of rile people up. Um, I don't have any particular uh, tactical worries. I think that um, there's, I think we've seen a lot closer. I mean, we've seen a lot closer games than maybe we think we have in in retrospect. You know, like I, I mean, I feel that the last our last victories. You know, there's been, um, you know, they have been tough one, and I think tactically there's been, um, not a huge amount in it. Um, I think the the key thing is that Rangers players seem to be very keen to drink the Kool Aid. And get involved in the in the kind of noise that surrounds it. And I think our, I think from top down, our team is doing a lot better at disassociating from that sort of thing. And I think some some supporters, some fans might say um, it would be better, like, oh, there should be more heart, and uh, they should all be like hating hating the Rangers and getting stuck in. But I think it's quite good that we you know, to use a football cliche, do our talking on the pitch. And on Saturday, the talking was utter tripe. Um, But when you see how people like Cantwell and Raskin are reacting to it, they're buying into this whole kind of, um, they're buying into the kind of combative nature of it. I think that's easier to exploit going forward. And I think that tactically, the managers will make their tweaks and uh, we'll see that kind of... um, and I think we'll always have the edge because I think Ange Postecoglou is a better manager, to be honest. And we have better players. And I think uh, on a given day, we can al- uh, on our day, we can always beat them. But um, yeah, like let them get annoyed, let them get wound up, let them sort of like get kind of uh, as emotionally invested as as their fans. And uh, that's 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 a misstep, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, like the uh, for me, I don't know about you two, but like. Seeing Raskin posting like the, the guy doing the Shush thing. I would be raging if I was a fan of them. I mean I would be raging as a fan of them in the first place because there'd be some issues there. Uh, but the the idea that you can do this shush thing winning a meaningless game, like doesn't doesn't do anything, doesn't even take the point difference down to single figures. Is is just like I would be like shut the fuck up and get on with it for next season. Like don't don't be posting this stuff. And it, it, Raskin in particular was it was quoted in the papers talking about how in the semi final, especially in the second half, we were the we were better than them. He said we just couldn't score goals. So I I I'm actually kind of I don't I'm not happy we lost, but I'm just I'm I'm, I'm basking in this kind of like little belief that they have now because I think it's going to come back and fucking bite them in the arse next season, and I'm I'm so looking forward to that. Well, let's get to some uh, listener questions before we, we end today, and we have quite a few. Uh, Troy, first of all, Kieran, I'll, I'll send this one to you first of all. We we, we might have touched on these things uh, as we're going going along, but uh, if we have, we can you know uh, push past them quite quickly. Are we missing a point regarding the Glasgow Derby? Troy asks, namely that some of our backups are not up to it, certainly not Champions League. And I think we have touched on on that one, Karen. But quickly, do you think our our backups are not up to it when it comes to the Champions League?
0: Yes, uh, yeah. And again, it does feel well, like you're you're you know it may be Platonic ideal where you want twenty two players that you'd be comfortable with in the Champions League with Celtic's means and resources and budget. That's really, 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 really tough to do. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Um, so I think I've mentioned that earlier that like. I don't think we have to go out and sign six, seven, eight players. I think we need to sign three, four, five. But every single one of those are ones that we'd be confident in contributing immediately. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with project signings. It's what the club needs to do financially. I quite like it strategically as well, that when you bring a guy who's maybe quite raw in some aspects, like O and Kobayashi, and then they, they, they need time to develop. Um, but I do think for this summer specifically, we need players who can come in and contribute and be capable of elevating us to the Champions League. And if three, four, five of those guys, just for this one window, January, if we're out of Europe and everything, you can maybe get back to it. But just because it does feel that this is the the peak of Ange's cycle, the peak of this team cycle next season, we've got guaranteed Champions League. We're in a really strong financial position. I say you know or you don't even have, we discuss it again in the chat you don't necessarily have to get a guy in his late 20s or early 30s you can get a guy who's 20 21 but they have to be they still have to be ready to contribute they have to be somebody you're confident can hit the ground running and elevate us throughout the spine of the team so i think that's where. I'd, and then Alan always talks about you know raising the aggregate of the team up that's what that does when you know a guy who's a guaranteed starter next season might be more of a rotation option next one um, or, or you know, somebody who's a more of a like a semi-regular. You know what was happened with Abada because we we've, we've sort of strengthened up top, that that or with Turnbull as well, where you're just those guys. You know, they they contributed a lot last season, but this season as we've got stronger, they just they're a bit more peripheral, I think. And it's it's a shame because they you know they they have done a lot for us. I think you know it's that kind of thing. where next season we need to do that again and some of the guys who've been good for us this year are maybe a bit edged out because ultimately that's where we want to be and that's where we strengthen to the level where we do have backups that we'd be confident with in the Champions League.
1: So, Lenny has written in, uh, saying, get Joe Hart to fuck. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, more of a comment
2: <laughs> than a question, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it said it was a shambles yesterday from Hart, and uh, I think we've we've discussed Hart enough. And David uh, wrote in to say, "What did sort tell us?" I think we've we've discussed that. But Colin Michael has uh, he's written in to say he was quite frustrated about the game, and uh, part of him thinks if we wanted to test the players, we we should do it against St. Munn next week and not be testing players uh, against rangers at ibrox he says do you do the unwashed think that they are good, as good as as after one game and the board will be more reluctant to go into the go big in the transfer market and do we think we're suffering from fatigue at this stage of the season so a few a few points to touch on there do you think it was wrong of Ange to do the testing of players uh, in such an, impo- an important and emotional match for the fans do you think that uh, the Rangers will be a bit more complacent now that they've seen that they can they can beat us on a day? And do you think the players are suffering from, from fatigue at this stage of the season? I think
2: uh, it's important, especially when you see the kind of the age of our general squad, uh, and we've been talking about experience. And the only way you can build experience is a bit like you know building muscle. You have to you have to kind of go and. Experience these games, and uh, as we know about muscle and exercise, you break the muscle and then it grows back stronger. So, um, I think that that will be. I think losing three 0 to them and a dead rubber is probably got more of a positive um, effect that a manager, a football manager, will see that a fan will not. And uh, and I'm not. And the thing is, like we. Don't want to make excuses and start like saying, "Oh well, you know that it's like this kind of it's actually a master stroke to to lose to Rangers I'm not not saying that at all, but I think that there's there's definitely positives that will come out further down the line than the initial pain of losing that particular match um and as I think Anne said in these kind of post match comments, you know he's thrown players into these games before and they've they've succeeded and uh, i mean I think Alistair Johnson, who I think was somebody we were all very a bit nervous about um, as Juranovic's replacement. Um, one of the, was it was his first or second game was a derby. Mm. And uh, and I think he's he cemented himself as a fan favourite. And uh, I think people are a lot more kind of, um, you know, he's not played an awful lot of games for Celtic and people are already like missing him like crazy. Um, as for fatigue, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've put a lot of effort into this campaign. It's been a long season, but also um, there's a lot of players that haven't played a lot of football, so uh, they should be relatively fresh. And I think that's one thing you could look at. It's like the, making these changes, you've got a lot of players that should have plenty in the tank. So I don't think that's really... Uh, uh, a, a, an excuse on a physical level, mentally, I think um, maybe it's hard to maintain that kind of dedication to a system and to perfection when essentially last weekend they were just celebrating winning the league. And I think for young players who are less experienced, I think there's got to be a psychological sort of thing as like, well, you know, it's, it doesn't matter as much and. We can get annoyed about that, but I think that's just human nature. Um, and what was the other question?
1: <laughs> I, I think that will do, Colin. That'll do. do. <laughs> okay, sorry, because <laughs> I can't remember the other question either. No, <laughs> um, I love to I looked to, to read the question, and when I when I looked back up, uh, Kieran had completely disappeared, and uh, then I, I closed one of my my screens on the computer while Colin was talking there, and Kieran had just reappeared, so it was as if it just vanished into thin air and came back so, that's kind know. of why i was
2: filibustering a wee bit <laughs>
1: <laughs> weird, weird, kevin um but we, we will move on from there so again we have a couple of questions that i think we've covered kevin um uh, wrote in to talk about the overreactions from saturday and i think we've we've, we've gone through that um ken i'm assuming it's ken walsh a uh, friend of the show, Ken Walsh, has uh, asked about the loan players coming back. Kieran, do you do you have any faith in any of the loan players coming back? Is there anyone that you think can compete next season? And why is it Barker? Why is it Barker in the goals?
0: Well, he's, he's had a really good season at Utrecht. I was chatting to a pal who, um, when I was uh, doing football journalism who covers Dutch, and he says he's been the, the best keeper on <laughs> every divisi. Um Saying that, I do think... I so I do think, from a optics perspective, more than anything else. Um, yeah, 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 um, I think it's uh, probably, never, probably
1: the only player that will never recover from a West Ham friendly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's done, and you know, if, if he's a make weight to get the the Greeks to go there, who battle and is decent, then um, yeah, yeah. That, 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 I guess it's a thing that would. Worked out for everybody. Um, we get Barker's off our books, and we get a decent without having to sell for for pennies, and we get a decent player out of it. Mm. Um, the board doesn't have to spend a penny on a striker. That could be quite quite good. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think. I guess the only one that I could potentially be is Johnston because he has done well in Portugal, but again, it might be an optics thing. Where I do think. For a lot of supporters, that that's that a bridge that is burnt as well. And there's also when you're looking at what we have there. And if you are selling a bad that you are wanting an upgrade who can play across, maybe play across the front three in general. If you're bringing in this Greek guy, that's more competition up front as well. If you are bringing in, like, if you, you know, if a bad goes and you're bringing in two more players or, you know, Forest is leaves or whatever, you are you are wanting to upgrade there. And I don't know whether, you know, as, a decent and a player as Johnstead is now in this ambition that we have of going to the next level, can he contribute even as a rotation? Would he want to be a guy who only plays ten, fifteen games a season? Would he even get that if we are gonna have, you know, six or seven players there ahead of him who are you know, decidedly there to contribute in the Champions League. I, I don't know. I, you know, we've got so many guys whose best position is left wing. You've got Maeda, Jotin, Haxabanovic there right now, whose, whose position is uh, best on the left. You know, you're bringing back in another guy. It just doesn't, it Just I think it's just that the maths doesn't really work there. And I I just don't see it with any other of the lone players, I I think. Maybe apart from actually, I think Montgomery might be an interesting one because apparently he's done really well with St Johnston. Apparently he's maybe bulked up a bit more. He's looking a bit more confident. um And given the left back crisis we have in terms of that backup, but again, that's might be one of is is Montgomery Montgomery is probably ready to contribute semi regularly domestically. But it's just if Taylor's gets injured, would you be happy with him starting a Champions League game? I, you know, and that's a that's a more difficult conversation.
1: And not one we want to have, <laughs> but uh, as Soros, has coming back, so no, that'll be fine. Uh, Jack has written in uh, with, you kind of, uh, know, annoyed about the the criticism of Carl Starfield, especially he, he mentions the reaction, and I think it was me on the reaction talking about how I thought he was had a, a, a dreadful game. He he defended them, saying so he, he thought he was a standout on Saturday. And asked if there's a, been a bigger victim of uh, a largely fictitious uh, fictitious narrative. And I would say Aaron Moy being a good footballer would be that. But uh, I, I won't, we won't get into that because that will just get me cancelled. Um, but we will leave, leave stuff out for Christian on the reaction because he doesn't have any fear about being cancelled because he was never uncancelled at any point in his life. <laughs> um, Paddy has written in to ask about it not been uh, a great weekend. And uh, he, he asks about Ange, obviously people talking about Ange getting it. And uh, he then goes on to say that, I don't think there's, there's such a thing as a meaningless game against him. And he doesn't think that Ange realised this, uh, Colin. I don't, kind of, sorry. He's, he's kind of upset about the fact that, he says that Neil Lennon or even the Rat wouldn't have made the mistake of uh, fielding a weakened team against them at Ibrox. It was j- surely from from my point of view, it was just a case of Ange wanting to see if these players could handle the heat. And it wasn't it wasn't about not getting it. What do you make of that? Well the
2: I think the lesson the the, the strength of the team was already kind of um kind of imposed upon us. Um, with, with injuries and I don't think looking at him I mean remember when everybody was a body language expert in the 2021 season mm-hmm. I think they, would, they they should come out of the woodwork and have a field day with uh, and just like uh, interview with Celtic TV after the game because he was absolutely I've never seen him so kind of uh, he look, he was looking around and just not looking at the he was clearly vexed um, and I think, I, d- I don't think he was lying when he he says that he fielded a team that thought could win the game, he wanted to see uh, and as I was saying before I think there's there's positives from that that will only be seen by him and could maybe only be decipherable further down the road um, and even though it was 3-0 I don't think, I watched the highlights back last night, uh, I'd been sort of putting it off <laughs> I couldn't bear to watch the whole game but I watched the highlights yesterday and it's, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, what you guys are saying in the, the in the review, to be honest, because I think like that sort of having to watch it back and like appraise these things um, is always really interesting. And but from the highlights, I don't think that we were as terrible as I thought we were at the time. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't blame manjin I don't think he I don't think we should take it as a slap in the face and and somehow him not understanding uh the the rivalry because I think he clearly does and um, but he's he's a football manager and he needs to use these things as as um, as exercises for improving our squad going forward.
1: Yeah, I think as I, I mentioned on the reaction, we missed some massive chances and we we conceded chances that probably shouldn't have been conceded. So it's it's there's probably been a, a massive over, overreaction, including from uh, from uh, people in the cynic, but. Yeah, it's just, it's emotional. It's what these, these games do to you. James has written in uh, asking about what we need at the Champions League level, and I think we have uh, answered that. And finally, uh, Paul has written in to ask about uh, Dane Murray's injury. I don't think anyone has any knowledge about that, about his comeback. Um, no. Um, um, yeah, no. okay, good, good. We have we have the knowledge. We like uh, RBs in America. Bring the meat. We bring the knowledge about Dead Murray's injury. Uh, and this is a question for you, Kieran. I don't understand it, and I'm hoping that you will. Um, Sub question from Kieran uh, from Paul. Any recommendation what to read after all the first law books?
0: Do oh know, yeah. Do
1: you know what that means?
0: Yeah. So I think I mentioned I've been reading that. It was like a grim dark fantasy series. It's very, it's very good and uh, very funny and political and stuff. Uh, I recommend a guy called John Gwyn. Um He's really in that sort of vein, where it's like uh, dark fantasy stuff inspired by Vikings and Norse mythology and stuff. But again, so very politically interesting and darkly funny. So John Gwynn. How do you spell Gwyn? Gwynn? G W Y N N E
1: that's not how I expected you to spell Gwyn but there we go <laughs> so uh, we we end on a high note with uh, recommendations and uh, we we march on in the league uh, hopefully getting some youngsters some game time uh, to, uh, towards the end and uh, getting people fit and ready to win us as treble hopefully Colin it's been an absolute pleasure what have you got planned for the rest of your Monday?
2: Uh, oh, I'll be going into the work after this, after a, a wee shower and a bit of breakfast, so uh, I've got some upholstery to do today. Lots of fun. Yeah.
1: Podding before breakfast—that's the dedication. Absolutely. You know, from the cynic. Kieran, what about
0: yourself? <laughs> uh, a lot of work to catch up on. Got a lot of emails come through at that time, uh, so yeah, I'll be, I'll be working through lunch. But it, it is worth it to, to speak with a lovely gentleman. You
1: oh, that's a positive C one. That's nice. I mean, I thought with it had been an agenda with me and Kieran on uh, after a defeat against Rangers, it would have been a, an absolute pity party. But I think we've done well to, to not make it as dark as it could have been. Uh, I've been your host, Graham Mackay, and we'll catch you down the road.